Um, I had a chance to sit down with a couple that had come here recently, and um, we sat down. I got, I got to go to their home for coffee. They're not here today, so I'm talking about them behind their backs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they, they said, Matt, they said, you know, everybody says they have a friendly church. He said, when we came into your church, you have a friendly church. And you guys, that's you. That's you. That's that presence of God that works in you. And, and I just want to commend you for that and say thank you so much for just being the awesome people that you are. Who's excited this morning? For what God's doing. Isn't it great to be back here? Come on, 18 months later or whatever it's been. My goodness. It was like, okay, we're going to shut her down for a couple weeks here. Give it a shot, see what happens. Yeah, 18 months later. But we are back because God is a God who restores. God is a God who restores. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to especially welcome our online community this morning. Wherever you are, if you're watching from home and your PJs, you got a cinnamon bun, take a big bite, get your Bible out, and get ready because we're about to dive into the Word of God. Um, really want to welcome all of you that are here this morning. Anybody that's a visitor, especially some new faces here this morning, so glad that you're here. You are so welcome here, and we're so glad that you're with us this morning. And I believe that you're here for a reason. That God has something that he wants to say to you. This miniature sermon series that we're in right now is called All Things New. And uh, this, this sermon series was actually birthed from our senior pastor. I sat down with Pastor Mike and I said, okay, Pastor Mike, what are we thinking here? We're heading into this next Sunday. I don't know if you know, it's kind of a big Sunday, um, transition Sunday. Um, and uh, what's going to be happening is they're going to be praying uh, us into the lead pastor role which is pretty cool, pretty exciting, and we're pumped for what God's about to do. There's a few little smattering of clapping, I know. But, but I was saying, Pastor Mike, what are we going to do leading up to that? You know, I submit to my pastor, and he says, Matt, I got a word from the Lord, and it is all things new. And I was like, oh, there's something on that. There's something on that. And so this morning, we're going to continue and complete, conclude that series, that mini-series, if you will, in the, the, the title is All Things New. If I were to title my message this morning, I would entitle it God of the Impossible. God of the Impossible. And this morning we're going to read two scriptures. This is what this is going to look like. Then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to preach. I'm going to spend a few moments unpacking the Word of God. And I'm, I'm hoping this morning that you leave with some stuff that can help you through this week. I'm hoping this morning that you can leave with some stuff uh, that can help you get over some other stuff. And crowd out some other stuff that's in your life this morning. I'm believing that God is going to work in your heart this morning as we declare the word of God. Not because of how great I am, but because of who he is. Church, we are reliant on the presence of God. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to read two passages. The first one is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. And then we're going to move over to the book of, you can, you can put a finger in there, and you can move over to the book of Ezekiel, but we're going to start in Isaiah. So put a, actually put a finger in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. We're going to read a lot of Bible this morning. I hope that's okay with you guys. You guys with me? All right. So we're going to read a lot of Bible this morning, but we're going to start out in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 in the New King James Version. And this is what it says. It says, Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Somebody say now. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, God, that you do a new thing. Now, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. We're reading about a vision that God had given to the prophet Ezekiel. We'll unpack this in a moment. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord God says to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath, breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves. I will cause you to come up from your graves. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. You guys did good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much this morning for your word. God, we come under your word this morning, Lord God. We submit ourselves to it. God, you, well, God, they don't need my ideas. They need your ideas, Lord Jesus. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would help me to speak forth your word, the word that you have given this morning, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that it would bring life. It would be spirit and life, Lord Jesus, and that there would be life that would come through these words this morning, Lord God. I pray that there would be freedom that would come through these words this morning, God. I pray that there would be liberty that would come through these words and restoration, God, because you are the God who restores. You make all things new, and we submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody says, amen, amen. Well, the the title of the message is The God of the Impossible, and we're speaking on the subject of all things new. Now, I mean, there's something that's a little bit attractive about the idea of new. There's something that we're drawn to with that idea. In fact, I was just sitting with my mom. And she looked over at me and said, Matt, are those new shoes? And I said, yes, in fact, they are new shoes. There's something about new things that just make you feel good about yourself, right? Have you ever you experienced that? There's a reason why marketers will take an old product and they'll repackage it and then they'll put a word on the package and the word is usually new, right? Because they know that psychologically there's something in us that is delighted by that idea. Hmm, it's new. Maybe I should give it a try, is the thought pattern that might go through your mind. 
There's something that is intangibly uh, attractive about the idea of new. I mean, I experienced this recently. It can even make you feel better about yourself, right? I remember I experienced this about a couple weeks ago. I remember waking up in the morning, and I got up, and, I, and I, my eyes opened, and instantly I was like, I'm excited for this day. And I was like, why am I excited for this day? What's happening? Is there anything going on? No, no, no. The kids are going to school. That's normal. Uh, I'm going to the office, church office to study. That's, that's normal. I'm going to be working with Pastor Mike today. It's going to be great. Why am I so excited? And then I realized I'm excited because I have a new haircut. You think about how dumb that is. Like, really, just think about how trite that is and how vain that is. But really, what does that mean? I don't know, but it feels good because it's new. So I can get up in the morning, and I can put that much less hair product in my hair in the morning. It's going to take me about 10 seconds less, but it's new. So it makes me feel good. There's something about new that is attractive. Something that we love. I love the new gadgets. I love to see the the new cameras. I love to see the new iPhones. I love to see the new cars that are coming out. I love to see what the latest and greatest is. I love to try new food. Come on, somebody. I love to try new food. That burger, by the way, oh, my word, that was spectacular. So good. At Roadhouse, you got to try that. That's a new thing that if you haven't tried it, you need to try it. So good. So good. I love to try the new. There's something about it that is attractive. And I just wonder if that attraction, if that desire is actually something that God has put in us. I wonder if that's just a taste or a shadow of something that is greater and more eternal. Because we serve the God who makes all things new. And I wonder if that, that thing that kind of rises up with us, gives us that confidence, gives us that spring in our step with the new shoes, that gives us that sense of, of, of something's exciting that's happening today because it's new. I wonder if that thing is actually something in our hearts that is longing for the eternal God who makes all things new. And do you know that this God who makes all things new can make all things do in the face of impossible circumstances. When we go back here to this passage today in Ezekiel chapter 37, you might say, well, why, why are we reading about Ezekiel 37? Because what we find in this passage is an impossible circumstance. It's a place where there is no rational way through. Now, let's zoom out of this passage for just a moment to give you a little bit of a context. And then we're going to come back into it, and we're going to look into this today. And we're going to pull out some points for this today. And I'm going to leave those with you, and I believe it's something that's going to bless your heart. Amen? Okay, so here's what's going on. Ezekiel, what's happening here? Ezekiel is a prophet. He is a prophet who is in exile in the land of Babylon, and he is prophesying to a people, the people of Israel, who are also in exile in a foreign land. So what has happened is their country has been invaded, their capital city has been taken over. They have been conquered. They are a conquered people. And this conquered people has been uh, forcibly uh, forced from their homes into an, a foreign land, and they've been forced into a place they did not want to be. And this is the context within which Ezekiel comes onto the scene. God uses him to speak his message to his people. 
And so what happens here? Well, Ezekiel, the Bible says that he is led by the Spirit. And many commentaries believe that this was actually a vision. This was not a natural occurrence. It wasn't like God just went and put him into a valley. But he may have done that because he can. And God takes him and he puts him into this valley. And what we have here at the beginning part is kind of like a... um, It's kind of like an interactive art installation. It's kind of like God shows him a movie. If anybody ever was wondering, you know, what is God's thoughts on the arts? What does he think about them? Just just look at Ezekiel 37. Because what God is doing is he's trying to explain and express something that goes beyond an idea. And it's the abstract and nuance of emotion. It goes deep beyond just an understanding or an idea, but it goes right down to the heart of it. How many know that God knows your feelings? And God cares about them. There's things in your life sometimes that you face that you don't even know how to articulate what's going on. You just know that there's something off. But God, he can meet you right there in that place. He can meet you in the abstract. He can meet you in the nuance and in your feelings. And that's what happens here is God carries uh, Ezekiel in, either in a vision or in person into this valley. And he, he enters into this valley. And what does he see there? What do you see? He says, I see bones. The valley is filled with bones. Not skeletons, bones. And not only are they bones, they are dry bones. And so he looks around and he sees this place of impossibility and God asks him the question, can these bones live? And the the correct answer is what he says. This is a brilliant answer. God, you know. That was a great answer. That's a faith answer. Because I don't know. God, can you make these bones live? I don't know if you can. But God, you know if you can. And he puts it back onto him. Sometimes when we're facing impossible circumstances and we're facing hard choices in our life and hard places in our life, we need to learn to turn our eyes to Jesus. Our natural inclination is to try and figure it out on our own. Our natural inclination is to look inward and say, okay, come on, find the strength. But we serve the God of the impossible. And sometimes you just need to turn your eyes to him. And that's what Ezekiel does. He turns his eyes back to God. He says, God, you know. And then God gives him a word. He speaks a word and he says, I want you to prophesy. And so Ezekiel uh, 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 obeys the word. And what happens is the bones come out of chaos and disorder and disunity into order. But they're still not alive. And he says, now prophesy the breath. And he prophesies the breath. And the breath of God comes. The spirit of God comes and he animates these bodies and brings life back. Okay, so this is the movie. This is the interactive art installation. This is the, hey, I want to show you something, but the only way I can get through to you is by showing you a very graphic and very real circumstance. And I'm going to show it to you, but why am I showing it to you? Because I want to explain to you that I understand what my people are feeling right now. I want to explain to you that uh, I understand what they're going through. And there's three things And these are the three emotional and mental challenges that the children of Israel are feeling in this season. And these are three things that I know there may be people here this morning that are also struggling with. He's a real God, and he wants to meet you right where you are. You may be feeling this this morning. Number one, this is what they say in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 11. He said this, God said this, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, and thee indeed say... Number one, three emotional and mental challenges. Number one, our bones are dry. Our bones are dry. Now, 
if you look at this opening scene of this vision with a rational eye, this is a definition of a hopeless circumstance. What do you see here when you look down at a bunch of bones? First of all, you see disorder. You see chaos. You see brokenness. What you have in front of you is the death of dreams. It represents people that have come to a place with a purpose in mind. And it died right there. You see disunity. The bones have no distinct order. And so they are disunified. Have you ever had to look at the bones of a dream? Maybe it's a marriage, a career, a business, or even a church, a relationship, your health, COVID. Have you ever had to look at the bones of a dream? See, God is saying, I understand. I understand. And sometimes when you're looking at those bones, the rational mind says, there's no way through. There's no way out. I don't know what to do. Number two, don't worry, this gets good, by the way. We have to go here first to understand what God can do. Number two, our hope is lost. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is the tree of life. John Maxwell says, Where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. When Ezekiel looks at these bones, what does he see? He sees death. His rational mind tells him there's nothing that can be done for these people. It's over. It is far beyond over. And what God is saying is this is what it's like right now for my people. This is what it's like for the children of Israel. And maybe it's what it's like for you this morning in this place or online. Where you don't see hope. And it's making you feel powerless in the present. And number three, he says this, we are cut off. Have you ever felt like God was far away from you? David can understand that feeling. He, can, he, he, he writes a lot about this idea. And in Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemies be exalted over me? I think sometimes there's things in life, there's situations, maybe failures that you've had in your life that can make you feel like you are far from God. He understands. And the Bible tells us that he is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Listen, this is a word for somebody this morning. You're feeling far away from God, but I want you to know that he is right beside you. He is with you right now. So the situation is impossible. There's no way through. The rational mind tells you that these are dry bones. What are you supposed to do with that? But then God says to Ezekiel, O son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's response is where we're going to go.
oh Lord, you know. You know. So how does God make all things new? Well, this is what he does. This is what he says. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves. And I will cause you to come out from your graves. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And then you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves. Oh, my people, I brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit in you. And I will make you live. And I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord and have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Okay, number one, how does God make all things new? How is he the God of the impossible? Number one, this is what he says in, in chapter, uh, chapter 37, verse 14. Number one, he puts his spirit in you. Life Church, we believe that this is not an abstract idea. We believe that our hope of the future and our hope of glory is not in our intellect or our ability to figure things out, but it is in the living God. And His Spirit is to be poured out on us. Here's my big idea. Our faith is in him. What is this idea? It's this idea of grace, the divine enabling of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, you don't have the strength and the ability on your own. Why? Because he will fill you with his spirit. With his spirit. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How do we get out of that valley? How do we see God move in the midst of an impossible circumstance and situation? How do we do that? It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit. We rely on Him. We rely on Him. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 18. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Church, he has promised his spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, Israel was stuck at the beginning of the vision. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing they could do. But the one that they forgot was the Spirit of God. Come on. He will fill you with His Spirit. Do you believe that this morning? He will give you His Spirit. He will give you the strength that you don't have in yourself. When I am weak, then He is strong. He will meet you right where you are. And in His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures evermore. He surrounds us with his presence. And he is working here today. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit. How did God overcome the valley of dry bones? By the spirit of God. By his spirit. Because he is able. Because he is able. John 6, 36 says, 63, if the spirit, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of the things to come. Are you feeling stuck today? Are you seeing the death of dreams around you? Hope in God. Put your trust in him, and his promises towards you are that he will fill you with his presence. He will speak to you and he will show you what he wants you to do and he will give you direction and he will give you life. We rely on his spirit. He makes all things new. Amen? That's the first one. Number two, he gives life. He gives life. That's what God does. How many know that you can walk around breathing and still not be truly living? When we talk about this idea of he gives life, here's the big idea. He is the source of abundant life. Come on, how many know that there's life and then there's abundant life? You know, there's life and then there's abundant life. Right? You can either have life, get up in the morning, do my thing, go to work go to school, do my thing, come home at night, watch my Netflix show, go to bed. And then you can have abundant life. God, what do you want to do with me today? How can I be used by you today, Lord Jesus? What do you want to work in my heart today? How do you want to change me? How do you want to work me? You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. You've got something for me to do. You've got a a vision for my life. God, what is it? What do you have for me today? You can have life. Or you can have abundant life. John 10.10. 10. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. He gives life. He gives purpose. He gives purpose. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 2, 28, you have made me to know the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Life, church. Hey, I've heard that before. Life. Abundant life. You can live or you can have abundant life. How do you do that? By his presence. By his spirit. Oh, church. I long to see the spirit of God poured out. I long to see his presence move in our lives so that we could be a people who walk in abundant life. Come on, how do we overcome the impossible? How do we overcome the dry bones and the hopelessness It's by the Spirit of God, by walking in abundant life. Amen? Amen. I've only got two more. You guys are doing great. Number three. This is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 14. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. What else does he do? He gives you a place. Here's my big idea. You can rest in him. Oh, I love that one. 
saying today? That's not the picture. The picture is we can rest in him. Oh, Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious still dry, dwell in a dry land. Have you ever lived without a place? Um, this summer, we experienced that. A lot of you went through that with us on our online services in our, in our online Wednesday night lives. Um, my family found out that we had to move. And that's a disconcerting feeling. There's so many questions that pop up with that. It's like, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And man, it took so much of our brain power and our time as we started to look for a new home that we could live in. We were looking for a place where we could dwell, looking for a place where we could rest. And praise God, he provided a beautiful home for us. And then we had to move. Oh my goodness, you guys. I have so much empathy for people that are moving. It was not fun. Oh my goodness. We signed the papers on a Wednesday. We moved on a Saturday. And it was chaos. And we fought through that chaos. And we brought some order into our home. And you know what happened after we brought order to our new home? We rested. And it was glorious. When you're fighting through whatever it is that you're fighting through, on the other side of that is the rest that God promises. Hebrews 4, 9 says, Therefore remain, therefore, uh, there, pardon me, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. 1 Peter 1, 13 says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace of that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Church, we can rest in him. We can rest in his promises. We can rest in his presence. Do you remember what happened in Ezekiel? He says, can these bones live? Imagine if Ezekiel had run out there and tried to do it on his own. Okay, the leg bone goes to the knee bone, and the knee bone goes to the hip bone, and then we're going to, what else do we do? I don't know. That probably would have been me. What does he do? God, you know. I'm going to wait on you. Right? I'm going to wait on you. Because I've tasted your goodness. I'll trust in your promise. I'm going to wait on you. He leaned back. Into the presence of God. He said, Spirit of God, come. You bring life. I'm going to rest in you. It's the Spirit of God. It's His life that He gives you, His abundant life. And then you can rest in Him. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. Come on, He will do it. And number four, He keeps His promises. Ezekiel 37, verse 14. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. He is a man of his word. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If God promised that he who began a good work in you will care, be faithful to carry it out into completion, then he is going to bring it into completion, church. If God promised that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it, then church, he is going to build his church.
Amen. It's not on us. It's on him. We're going to rest in him. We're going to trust in him. And he will make all things new. What is the big idea here? He will do what he said he would do. 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all those who look to him for protection. Psalm 145, verse 13, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all the generations. The Lord God always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all that he does. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and amen in him to the glory of God through us. He keeps his promises. How do we face these impossible circumstances? How do we get through them? By putting our hope and our faith and our trust in him. Now, I don't know, but this morning there might be some of you here that are feeling like you are in that valley at the beginning of the vision. And when you look out upon your circumstances, see, I think this is something that a lot of us in the church can even relate to today. A lot of us in society can relate to today as there is this sense of disunity and disorder in the world around us. There's this sense of brokenness, a society that seemed to be ticking along has suddenly come to a halt and appears to be broken. Or maybe this is very personal for you. Maybe this is something that is impacting you today in your very own life. I mean, I was talking with somebody earlier this week, um, and they were expressing to me about how they were struggling right now. And they were wrestling through th- some things. And it just felt like the situation was impossible. Maybe you're facing that today. Church, here's what I want to encourage you in. He will fill you with his spirit. Make yourself available to him. He will give you abundant life. Turn your eyes towards Jesus and trust in him. He will give you a place you can rest in him because he's going to do it. And he will keep his promises. He will do what he said he would do. Here it is, Isaiah 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is what our God does. This is what our God does. And if I were to leave you with one last thought today. That would be it. God is doing a new thing, church. He wants to do a new thing in your life. And he can meet you right where you are. This morning what we're going to do as a time of response is I'm going to jump back on the keyboard and Pastor Mike's going to come and take this microphone and he's going to lead us in a time of prayer. Before I do that, there may be people here this morning that have never experienced 
what I'm talking about. There may be people here today that you have never known this idea of a real God. This is a brand new concept to you. You didn't know that he cared, and you didn't know that he loved you, and you didn't know that he has a plan for your life. But this morning, I want to tell you that he loves you, he cares, and he has a plan for your life. And this morning, you too can become a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity because we love you and because we believe in in a living God and we believe that he's here and that he wants to work in your life and he wants to pour out his spirit on you and he wants to give you abundant life and he wants you to have a place that you can rest in, in him. And he wants you to know his promises. And so just in a moment here, folks, if everybody could just close their eyes and bow their heads for just a moment. I just want to give, us, give space for this. We always want to leave room for this. If there's anyone here this morning that would say, I don't know this God. This is a new concept for me. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this idea of sin is this idea of missing the mark of God's perfection. And here's the thing. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners who have fallen short of his glory. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is actually death, which is separation from God for eternity. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See, we have a Savior who cares And he demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. It paid the price for our sins on the cross. And so today, we can have new life in him. And if you're here today, just eyes closed, heads bowed. I know this is old school, but we're doing it this morning. If if you're here today and you're saying, Matt, I just want to know this God. I want to respond. And I I just want to put up my hand and tell you that I want to know this God. In my life, if that's you today, if there's anybody here that needs that, that just needs to know God, if there's anybody here today, I just ask you right now, wherever you are, just to put up your hands. Nobody looking around. Everybody keep your eyes down, just for a second. Is there anybody who would say, I need Jesus today? Amen.